Welcome, sports fans, to the next great podcast surrounding the NFL. It's the latest catch. I'm Brent Labonte, the founder, and our partner with one of my great friends, Bryson Mercier. Today, we'll go over popular news, topics, headlines, and predictions for this upcoming week. Obviously, before we start, make sure to let other people know and continue to follow the process. Every listener matters. Yeah, today we have a banger episode. Uh, we've got some really good topics we're going to talk about today, some controversial ones. Uh, very opinionated is going to be today's episode. We also have a special guest coming on the show. He's a running back. His name, oh, I almost name dropped him. You're going to have to listen to it to find out. It's going to be a really good interview. Excited to have him onto the show. But first, we're going to jump right into topic number one here. Uh, obviously, division around to the playoffs this weekend. That might have been one of the greatest weekends of football I've ever watched. I mean, those four games were amazing. Every game came down to a last-second play. Um, the first game of the weekend was kind of a show of what the rest of the weekend was going to hold. Uh, Brenty, what you got for the Bengals versus Titans game? I really enjoyed watching this football game because at first I, I did bet on the Tennessee Titans to win this game. Like I didn't actually bet on them with any money, but I was just rooting for them. But as I watched the game... I started to kind of join that Bengals bandwagon, and I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase, and that offense is so explosive. And how many times Joe Burrow got sacked, and he still was determined to get that ball down the field and score, ended off with the, the rookie fifth-rounder, Evan McPherson, knocking down the field goal right down the pipe. I mean, he was just – there was nothing phases him. Um, timeout, you know, they usually try to ice a kicker. <laughs> you weren't going to ice him. That Bengals team right now, they're playing so dominant, and it seems like maybe no one could stop them. They're going to have a test, though, against Kansas City, which they did beat during the regular season, but I think this one's going to be another high-scoring affair, possibly a shootout. Yeah, that was – my brother is a huge Bengals fan, and he was really excited about that game. It was a really fun one to watch because I was awaiting the game after it with a little bit of anticipation, so it eased my nerves a little bit. I'm like, oh, that was a great game. You know, now it's watched Packers. Uh, that game now, 49ers-Packers, I'm not – this is the only Packers fan part I'm going to put into this. Very disappointing. All right, there goes my bias. Uh, this game, if you were not a fan of the Packers, was a really fun game to watch, I'm guessing. Um, it was a little low scoring, but, you know, defensive battle – Special teams battle, and yeah, it came down to a last-second field goal to the Packers killer, Robbie Gold. And, I mean, the 49ers, I had them in my power rankings last week ahead of some teams, and they are proving themselves right now. Kyle Shanahan is proving himself. Um, yeah, that 49ers team, watch out, because they are scary good right now. I'm going to throw my Packers side in the thing as well. Um, they better fire their special teams coach. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Um, special teams wins ball games, and it's a part of a team. You know, you got the offensive defense, but I think the most important part of a team is if you have a, a special teams. And a lot of elite teams, they have everything, all sides of the ball. Everybody was calling the Packers this elite caliber team, but all season long there's been special team errors, and it showed in the divisional round game when it all mattered, a winner-go-home situation. Um, they, we drove the ball down the field. Aaron Rodgers, think of the ball stripped by Bosa. He ended up jumping back on it for a field goal to end the first half, but that got blocked. And then 
There was a punt, which shouldn't have happened. I believe that was the drive, Bryson, when we heated up to Devontae. Like, 50-yard pass in the double coverage. He missed a wide-open Alan Lazard. Would have changed the game. Would have got us to first down. The game would have been over. Instead, we go to punt it, and it was blocked for a touchdown to tie the ball game up. And then the last second field goal for Robbie Gold to add on to those special team errors. There was only 10 men on the field for Green Bay. I'm not saying we would have blocked the kick, but, but to improve our chances to block in the kick, you might need 11 guys on the field. I mean, it, the errors just kept adding up. Uh, the couple of kick returns from Debo Samuel, they want to start getting him the ball, ball in like different situations other than just uh, handing the ball or throwing it to him because it was so cold out. It was tough for any quarterback to uh, throw in those conditions. So he got to do some kick returning, and Green Bay showed why they are the worst special teams yeah, out of anybody in this whole entire league. Yeah, all right, that's enough about that game. Now uh, we're going to go to the Rams-Buccaneers game. Um, this one was a thriller. Um, I was sitting there watching this game. At first, it kind of seemed like a dud. But, you know, watching Tom Brady get smoked because his defense isn't bailing him out. But all of a sudden, his defense actually showed up and started bailing him out and getting turnovers. And then look what happens. They worked their way back into the ball game, uh, tie it up, and then Matthew Stafford just drives him down the field of Cooper Cup, and they get that game-winning field goal. Uh, that was a really fun game to watch. Um, Tom Brady looked absolutely horrific in the first half. Um, and then, of course, he just had to absolutely ruin one of my parlays because I had him in the under of passing yards, which was looking so good at halftime. And then all of a sudden, just in the second half, they just went to passing only, and he ended up getting the over by like 10 yards. And I was so mad. That was I, Yeah, my, my sports betting career is not very good. I am I seem to always hit... Every leg except one when I do sports betting. So, But that's part of the game. Anyways, back to the Rams-Bucks here. Uh, Matthew Stafford looked good. Uh, had a couple miscues in the second half. Uh, but they weren't really his fault. Their turnovers were all fumbles. And Matthew Stafford, I believe, didn't have one. Um, except for the snap that was snapped over his head. So, um, But, I mean, the Rams almost gave up a huge lead again. So that's another kind of thing to watch because they gave up a huge lead against the Niners as well in week 18 of the regular season. Yeah, these first three games were so enjoyable to watch. I mean, all of them went down to some field goals. And I thought this was going to be the game of the week for the playoffs, but we're going to be talking about that one next. Um, Yeah, this was a good one. Matthew Stafford looked really sharp. I think his end of the season regular, well, during the regular season play there, it it was looking kind of shaky. If you're a Rams fan, you were kind of on the edge of your seat because he threw a bunch of interceptions some throws that you really cannot make in a postseason run. And for Matthew Stafford, he's never been a part of like a postseason run because he was in Detroit for so many years. And now he's with McVay and this playoff caliber team. Every single year they'll get there, and their defense showed why they're so dominant. I mean, Aaron Donald made it really, really tough on Tom Brady all game long pretty much. And then, Bryson, you did mention the defense. They got some turnovers by forcing some fumbles. Cam Akers, I think, had two himself. And I thought the momentum was all in Brady's hands. And instead of the Rams just kind of laying down and going into overtime, they'd be really aggressive. And uh, Cooper Cup burned him deep, set him up for the game-winning field goal. I thought that was a, a, a great call by the Rams coaching staff. And for Matthew Stafford there, I do feel, as a Packer fan now, 
I'm kind of happy for him. You know, he's proven that he was kind of locked up there in Detroit, and and now winning some playoff games. It's really it's really cool to see. Yeah, it is really cool to see. Like you said, he was down in Detroit, so he didn't really have a chance to play in any big games. Uh, so it's cool to see him succeed. Uh, now, we thought the first three games of this week were good, and we were completely settled. Like, wow, that was a good week of football. And then we had the Sunday nighter between the Bills and the Chiefs, which we both kind of figured, all right, this was probably going to be the funnest game to watch of the week, which it was. But nobody could have expected it to go that way. I mean, that game was crazy from start to finish. I mean, yeah, that ending, 13 seconds. I saw something today, Pat Mahomes. Took 13 seconds to get him down the field. The Cowboys' last play of their season, that QB draw, 14 seconds. That puts into perspective how good they were able to use the middle of the field. One of my guys, Kurt Benkert, went on Twitter, made a really good point. The Bills, first of all, in my opinion, they should have squib kicked it because that would have brought one. That would have probably limited them down to uh, one less play on their possession. But you should have never. Kurt Banker said this perfectly. Uh, outbreakers will take more time, especially Kansas City had timeouts, so it's not like they were looking to get the ball out of bounds. So why were you playing the sidelines? Because outbreakers take more time anyways than in-breaking routes. And so the Chiefs just utilized the inside of the field with Tyreek Hill, who's really tough to tackle. And, I mean, yeah, they utilize the middle of the field, takes fewer seconds off the clock because you're not – passing the ball farther in the air. Uh, so, yeah, they kind of dropped the ball there, but Pat Mahomes got another key victory in the Bills. Man, do I feel bad for their fans right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the in-breaking route. Tony Romo called it right before that, that ball was snapped. He said, watch Kelsey here on the seam. And that's exactly what happened. Kelsey broke, and he was so open. I didn't get it. And then, obviously, he's so good at the run after catch, he just kept rumbling down to get Bucker that – easier field goal because if you're watching the broadcast they kept talking about Jim Nance was saying you know he's got a big leg and then they had G Fugue on the sidelines who was a former kicker you know he's, he's going to attempt one no matter what and we're going to maybe see him kick a 60 plus yarder here and it never ended up going down to that because of the way the Bills played that um those last couple of seconds of the game I, I couldn't believe they scored in 13 seconds but if there was a team to do it it'd be Patrick Mahomes Andy Reid, and that great offense. And, you know, they use Tyreek Hill. They use a guy like Travis Kelsey all the time. And then Byron Pringle's been playing very well for them. I just think that they also got this really sneaky piece that could help them here in uh, Jarrett McKinnon. I mentioned it last week a little bit, little bit but uh, I think now they really can use him in the run game, and he's a great receiving back. Also, I do want to shout out Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis. I think Gabriel Davis had a, what was it, four-touchdown game? That's that's insane. And it's not going to be remembered because they lost the game. My good friend Dylan Plunger said that in class. I totally agree. Since they lost the game, that will not be remembered. I'm sure it will be brought up every once in a while, but it won't be as notable as it would if the Bills would have won that game. And I was also rooting for the Bills because – I mean, the four Super Bowls that they lost in a row with Jim Kelly back in the day, I just feel so bad for that fan base. And I think 
that this year they had a really good chance of winning one, but they just had to get past the Chiefs. Yeah, and to quote my history teacher, Mr. Stein here, the victors always get to write history. That's exactly what's going to happen in this game because the Bills, I mean, what a performance from Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis and that whole Bills team. They really played good, but the Chiefs just found a way to sneak out with the win. And now it's going to seem like, oh, the Chiefs, you know, they won that game. They're gonna, they're the greatest team of ever, or whatever you're going to say about them. The Bills played with them and looked like the same caliber team as the Chiefs did, but we're not going to talk about that enough, I feel like. So just shout out to the Bills. They're going to be good for years to come. And I think this Josh Allen-Pat Mahomes rivalry is going to get a little more heated uh, come the next couple years here. They're going to be the next Tom Brady, Peyton Manning of the AFC. And then, you know, Justin Herbert's going to be the Phillip Rivers. He's just going to be stuck at, stuck in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Um, and then uh, Burrow is going to be like Big Ben, who he can succeed if one of the other two quarterbacks isn't in the AFC Championship game. So I saw that and I was like, hmm, that's really interesting because the AFC basically just reset with their four marquee quarterbacks, basically. So that was pretty cool. Now going along with this Bills-Chiefs game here, it went into overtime. Josh Allen never got to touch the ball. And Twitter was an absolute war zone after this game. Oh, you got to change the NFL playoff rule, overtime rules. And I don't know, Brenty, I... As much as people, as much as it sucks that Josh Allen didn't get to touch the ball, and how much it seemed like that game was decided by a coin flip, I believe that it wasn't. And here's my thought process on this: You let Tyreek Hill score what a 70-yard touchdown was that, with under two minutes left to go in the game. You drive down and score and retake the lead with 13 seconds left, and then you allow them to drive down the field and get in the field goal range. Not only that, but after they win the toss. They just drive down the field. I don't even know if they had a second down on that drive. They just drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. And as much as that sucks, oh, our offense didn't get to touch the ball. Well, defense is a part of the game too, and the rules have been like this for a very long time. And I don't know. I, I kind of like it the way it is. What do you got, Brenty? I do like it the way it is too because your defense still has to stop the offense once overtime begins. So... You can complain about how unfair it was because I I do think both of these teams deserve to win. And unfortunately, they had to play each other in the AFC Championship game, probably with the best teams in the league going right at it. But I think if you were to change the rules, I mean, it would have to be based off of the college rules. And I don't know if it would be the new college overtime rules, which is two touchdowns, and then you get to attempt a two-point conversion at you know where you would – actually attempt one so I don't know if they do that maybe what if they only did two points would you be a fan of that like if it was just two point conversions until you know I don't know one can't can't succeed it I don't know that would be really interesting to watch I like I kind of like the sound of that just go at it two point conversions the whole time that would be really cool um but yeah you I think they'd either have to go college overtime rules or you could go a 10-minute quarter, you could go a certain set of overtime rules for the regular season and then a certain overtime rules for the postseason. 
um, their regular season could be the same as it is right now. Like when it doesn't really matter that much. Um, like it's not a winner go home situation. You know, okay, you lose in overtime and you don't touch the ball. Oh well, we got next week. But in the playoffs, you could. We might see them change the overtime rules to, uh, you play one ten minute quarter and whoever wins the quarter wins the game. Um, that would be another interesting, uh, version of overtime. But I don't know. I think we got to bring this to Goodell. I think we just go out there and run two point conversions until one team doesn't doesn't get it and the other team does. I love I love the sound of that. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, you know, it it would make the game go by a little faster, which is what the NFL has been trying to do. Um, you know, they've been trying to get the game to go along quicker, so I think two-point conversions would maybe get the job done there. And I don't mind the extra, like, 10-minute quarter either. That'd be kind of like the NBA rules, you know? You get to play another quarter, and whatever team, you know, you just got to win that quarter to obviously win the game. So I think that this game really awoke a lot of people's um, I mean, mainly if you were the Chiefs and the Bills fans. I think they really wanted the overtime rules to change because they didn't feel it was fair. Um, both teams were so hot. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't really think this was an issue in the past, and all of a sudden this game occurs and everybody's just going wild about it. So I guess I wouldn't be opposed of them changing the rule. Um, it's just up to the NFL. I think they're seriously considering it. So we're just going to have to see how, what the outcome is of that. We are now going to welcome Western Michigan running back Ernest Allen to the Latest Catch podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It means a lot. Oh, man, no problem. I love, you know, to do anything to help out, you know, just really just give back, you know. All right, Trey. To get things started here, we're going to ask you some questions. So with that being said, what was it like winning your school's second-ever bowl game in which you also scored a touchdown in? Oh, man. Well, I tell you, it was amazing, you know, because we always wanted, you know, we talked about uh, winning four this year, and that had to do with us, like, going to the MAC championship and everything like that. But, you know, we fell short of that. But um, at the end of the day, I feel like our team persevered with this bowl win, and it's, set, it's basically setting us up for um, greater success in the future, in the upcoming season. And as far as the touchdown, man, it was amazing. It was surreal, you know, because a lot of things, it's been a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that uh, as my time here. But, you know, being able to do that and show that I'm able to, like, capable of doing that, it was very amazing. Yeah, you proved yourself very capable in high school. You went to Groves High School in Pontiac, Michigan. Um, your numbers in high school, especially your senior season, uh, 963 yards, 11 touchdowns. You also had, like, 17 touchdowns your junior year. Um, your school won two league championships. Uh, what, with all that being said, what was one of your favorite memories in high school? What do you think, one moment, what's your best memory? Uh, I'll definitely say when we went against Brother Rice my senior year to for the semifinals. No, it wasn't the semifinals. I'm bad about that. Um, but it was probably like the second round of the playoffs because that was a team, you know, my freshman year, I had got bumped up the varsity. And we basically had lost to those guys. Like, we got annihilated and got put out the playoffs. So being able to get back with those guys for that, that had been one of the best memories of my high school career playing, most definitely. 
Yeah, and we mentioned your numbers, and I'm sure that season of yours was the year when you got to see a lot of attention from colleges to play at the next level. So how many schools were interested in you at the time, and what led to your final decision on committing to Western Michigan? Uh, you know, the recruiting process is always, you know, strenuous and stuff like that. So it was a lot of schools really, you know, reaching out, trying to see who I was, you know, basically – you know, they have been following me for a while. So it it had been close to maybe 20-plus, you know, offers and stuff coming out of high school. But I can say that I had tore my ACL, like, my senior year going into the season, and I wasn't projected to play that season. But I ended up rehabbing, getting back, going to what I had to do, and I was able to play that senior season. And – it kind of did bag a lot of co- college coaches off, but at the end of the day, Western still, you know, kind of hung in there and gave me the opportunity to come and play football here. So I'm forever thankful for them doing that for me because without them, I, I truly don't know where I'd be right now as far as college and stuff like that. So I greatly appreciate them for that. Now, from the high school level to college, especially the Division One level, the game completely changes. Um, when you were uh, got onto the campus as a freshman, um, what was one of the most difficult things to process and learn about the game to change to play Division One football? Really, it's I think that the fact that the speed is a lot different. You know, you come out of high school and stuff like that. You know, not everybody's as fast as you think they are, but that translation of speed from high school to college is a different ball game because you got a lot of guys coming running four threes, four fours, and stuff like that. So I believe that was a tough adjustment. But as time goes on, you get, you know, the game slows down. So I believe that it got a lot easier. You know, it's still people fast out there faster than you, but at the end of the day, as long as you're able to adjust and slow the game down at your pace. Uh, you're good. So you're a part of a great running back room at Western. And I think I looked at the stats. You guys almost had two – or you did have one 1,000-yard rusher and then another guy who had 800 yards. So who would be the leader of that position group? And what do those guys do to help make you a better player? i say, you know, every guy brings uh, everything they can to the room as far as what they bring to the table and stuff like that. Uh, I say my guy, Sean, Tyler, uh, man, one of the guys, you know, came in right off the bat, did what he was supposed to do, and he's still doing what he's supposed to do. And I look at him like, man, he's a good guy. And we just built a relationship, and we know what each other's going for and stuff like that. As well as uh, Ladarius, you know, he's a guy that comes in, puts his head down, puts his foot forward, and works all the time. So I believe that us as running backs, you know, room, uh, we all just come together and do what we need to do and put that work in, you know, all of us, the whole room. Yeah, we actually had one of your teammates, uh, Rashawn Davey, come on to the show a couple weeks ago, and he kind of mentioned the fact of how close that running back room was and how you guys just work together to make yourselves better. Um, so becoming a running back is probably – everybody's dream position basically Mm -hmm. and every player has a different style in which they play um now your game what do you think 
is probably the best part of your game? I say, you know, being able to, you know, get through tackles and kind of like break tackles and stuff like that. Because as you see now, like a lot of running backs are able to get to that next level without being, you know, tackled by the first uh, player to come tackle them. So I believe that my power, you know, what carries me and being able to get to the next level, break those tackles and things like that are what's really, you know, benefiting me, helping me and stuff like that. So I'm going to continue to just work on that aspect and also add a few more tools to my game that can elevate it. So Western Michigan, especially this past year, you guys were full of talent. You guys finished with an 8-5 and five record. And like we said before, a bull victory from your team. Is there any guys that we should look out for um, that have draft potential? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like like I said, Sean Tyler, Ladarius, um, a lot of receiver core. You know, we lost a few guys. But these young guys coming up, man, I'm telling you, there's something special. As well as um, the tight end room and the defensive room as well, you know, as far as corners and all of that stuff. I feel like everybody's bringing something to the team this year that can potentially help us and, you know, we'll get that match championship. So it's, gonna, it's a lot of talent, man. I'm telling you, it's a lot of talent, and we're just looking forward to see what we can put together for this upcoming season. All right, so you mentioned before about how the game is, you know, slows down as you go along and how you want to add parts to your game. So – you mind telling us some goals that you have for yourself and is there anything in particular that you're really working on for next season to get better? Oh yeah, most definitely. So for next season, I really just, like I said, wanted to elevate my game. Um, and a big part of that is my flexibility. That's something I'm trying to get a lot better at because you have to be flexible as a football player, even in any sport without flexibility. It's like, just out there, you know what I'm saying? Not performing to the best of your ability. Um, also, like I said, my speed is something I'm focusing on as well because I feel like I get that speed together, man, those next levels and stuff like that. I won't be fazed by it. So that's pretty much what uh, I'm aiming to work for and as well as becoming all-around better team player and stuff like that. Um, because, you know, I just want to set up this team and be the best that we can be, be the best that I can be as well to help out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another question about uh, next season. What What's your guys' team outlook looking like? Are you uh, confident in your team uh, to go get an, uh, a conference championship? Is that one of your goals for next season as a team goal? Oh, man, most definitely. Most definitely going to get that match championship. Uh, starting off on a good note, like I said, with the season ending, getting that bowl victory, I feel like it's carried us into the offseason with momentum. So we're looking to build on top of that, build a different culture, and just, you know, continue to do what we do. Go get that, that match championship. That's the goal right there. That's what we aim for. Absolutely. So, Ernest, last question here. Uh, what is some advice you would give to a high school student looking to pursue an athletic career at the college level? Man, I say go with your heart, man. You know, like a lot of people 
may make it seem like, oh, man, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. But at the end of the day, if you just focus and never quit, the sky's the limit for you, man. Pass the sky, for real, man. So just, like I said, just keep working, stay motivated, and do what you got to do, man. And it all fall in place. It most definitely will. Once again, thank you so much, Ernest, for stopping by. This means a lot to us. Good luck to you and your team. Hopefully we can stay in touch. We'll for sure be following your game here. So, like I said, thank you so much. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me. So that was Western Michigan running back Ernest Allen. Um, Can't thank him enough for coming on to the show. It means so much uh, to us that people can come on to the show, people like Ernest, uh, and give us their thoughts and so we can talk to him for a little bit. So big year for him upcoming. Uh, Can't wait to watch his growth, and it's going to be exciting. But now we're going to hop into our next topic here. Tom Brady, was this his last game ever? I I don't know. It's a, I saw a couple of quotes about him talking about how his wife, Giselle, you know, has a heart attack every time he hits the, hits the grass. And how he wants to be there, be a good husband, be a good father. I don't know, man. This is seeming a little bit like Tom Brady's career might be coming to a screeching halt. Now, I know he'll miss the competition because he's a really competitive man. You know, he loves winning. Uh, he's been around the game for, I don't know how many years, but forever. You know, 44 years old, and his body definitely probably isn't holding up like it used to. And he's still playing at a high rate because he's got a great team around him, and he can make the throws still. Not like an Aaron Rodgers-type throw or a Justin Herbert or any of these young quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, the Buccaneers will obviously welcome him back with open arms if he decides to not retire. And I also did see his kids miss the miss the snow in Foxborough. So I seen a lot of maybe he'd return back to the Patriots, but that would make absolutely no sense. And Mac Jones there, he's their future. Why would you give up on him in year number two just to get number 12 back? They're already looking to kind of rebuild. I honestly think Belichick's, this might be his last year. He's been around for a while. And if he misses out in the playoffs, you never know. And... Uh, I think Tom Brady said in an interview as well after they played the Patriots this year in the regular season, he said, um, you know, the fans, they were booing me. They were also cheering me on. But, you know, at the end of the game, when it came down to the line, they were really rooting for their new quarterback. And he said, right now, they're probably going to hate me because I'm out in Tampa. But when my career is over, I'm going to be back in Foxborough. And I think his, in his life right now, I think he really wants to focus on his kids and his family. So I would not be surprised if this was his last game, mainly just because he wants to spend time with his with his children. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, and if he does retire after this season, I mean, we can't not acknowledge the fact of what a career he has had and how it's not debatable whether or not he's the most accomplished quarterback of all time. Um, he's He might not be the best quarterback of all time, but he's the most accomplished quarterback of all time. He's the most accomplished player of all time. There's no doubting that. And I agree with you. I think if he does retire, the competition side is just going to kill him. I think that he's not going to be able to stay away from competition. 
But that's what he's got his kids for. He can just compete with them a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what he does because there seems to be two different sides to his thought process right now. And he's not really letting us see much about what he's thinking, for sure. Yeah, and there's a similar situation right now out in Green Bay. Except this quarterback has a year left on his contract, uh, but he could possibly avoid that and uh, be traded. Or this man by the name of Aaron Rodgers can just retire from the game as well. Bryson, a similar question. What will Aaron Rodgers do? I don't I think it completely depends on if the Packers franchise take Devontae. Um, I think that's what's going to, you know, lean him into this decision. Um, I think if we don't franchise tag him, I think he's going to ask for a trade or ask to be released. Which, all right, I'm turning into Packers fan. I want to trade him. If he's not going to play for the Packers next year, I want to be able to trade him because I feel as though that could set us up for a future around Jordan Love. But obviously, Aaron Rodgers is not Jordan Love, and Jordan Love will never be Aaron Rodgers. And I hope Aaron Rodgers ends his career in Green Bay, and I hope he can win one more Super Bowl in Green Bay. Um, So it would be really cool to see him play in a Packers uniform for one more year, two more years, five more years, heck, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, I don't think Green Bay is really ready to let Aaron Rodgers go just yet. So... And I don't think he's ready to let Green Bay go yet either. Part of him, I watched the Pat McAfee show. Part of him, I know, loves Green Bay. So I, he either retires or the Packers figure it out. That's my decision on that. I totally agree with you. And he's also got Jeopardy. And, I mean, he can go on and take over that whenever he wants. Um, I, I mean, I think he absolutely loves the game. He had a great time. In Green Bay this year, you know, everybody was throwing rumors out there. He didn't like um, the Packers, even their their general manager, Gutenkunst there, or him and LaFleur never got along, but that was just all false. Everybody kind of figured it out this year. They worked their the kinks out, and Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden loved playing there. Now, this loss to San Fran, though, I think it really makes it tough on Aaron Rodgers to, to come back. I think Devontae, whether you franchise take him or not, we're in such a bad salary cap issue right now. I mean, I don't even know if it's worth it trying to keep Devontae around. Because we can try to keep him around this year and it's like for the last dance. This would be the real last dance, especially if Rodgers comes back. If you franchise take Devontae, it's kind of like the Allen Robinson situation out in Chicago. You franchise tag them, but you're going to end up letting them go a year after that anyway. So this is definitely the last year for Devontae if the franchise taken, but if they decide not to, he'll probably go out and play with his former college teammate Derek Carr out in Las Vegas. Who knows? Maybe he'll go somewhere else. But Aaron Rodgers, to me, if he was to leave Green Bay, Green Bay has to trade him. If they somehow just release him, that'd be the dumbest decision in Packers history. We gotta get the most possible out of twelve. A couple of first rounders would not be bad. And I asked you in class the other day. What if they draft a quarterback? And you said, absolutely not. But I would not mind drafting a quarterback. I don't know what round, but we better draft one. Kurt Benkert right now, I know we signed him to a one-year deal. Another shout-out to Kurt Benkert. Um, he's be back. Maybe as Packers backup next year. Maybe number two. Making his way up the charts. But 
Um, I'd like to see what Jordan Love can do in a season, but that also means Aaron Rodgers is gone, which is going to be really tough getting used to. It's going to be a long future for Packer fans. Or Jordan Love just completes the trilogy. We got Brett Favre. We got Aaron Rodgers. There needs to be a third one, right? So Jordan Love just steps in. Same exact situation, except Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the draft. Jordan Love maybe fifth or sixth best quarterback in the draft. Um, we didn't trade up to draft Aaron Rodgers. We traded up to draft Jordan Love. Brett Favre was actually struggling. Aaron Rodgers was not struggling. Um, but yeah, it it would be really really sad to see twelve go uh, and play for a different team. But if he decides to retire, then I guess he just retires and he retires a Packer at least. That's what I'm more concerned about. Is hopefully he can just retire a Packer. Yeah, and. We're going to go over to New Orleans now. And they have a quarterback by the name of Taysom Hill. They just paid him a four-year, $40 million contract. And I'd say Sean Payton has a lot to do with that. Well, he's gone. And he's the guy that pretty much made Taysom Hill the Swiss Army knife out there. You know, playing quarterback, playing tight end, playing receiver, a running back type. I don't know. Whatever you want to play him. Special teams. And that era there, you know, the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, it's been over, and now looking for a new head coach. There's, I thought Green Bay was in a tough a tough salary cap problem. Well, the Saints are negative $70 million some dollars in cap. They're going to have a rough offseason. They're going to have to let go of a lot of key pieces that they've kept around. Um, some veterans that they really like. Some guys like Michael Thomas, I think they should let him go. You know, he was out for the whole entire year. Barely stayed healthy the year before that. Like I said, either going to have to restructure a bunch of contracts or a lot of guys are getting released. And they're kind of in that same situation Green Bay's in. A lot of familiar faces may be a free agent, and it's just because of the salary cap issue. Yeah, but the salary cap is getting bigger next year. Um, so that'd be interesting to see how teams um, utilize that and General managers nowadays are getting so good at restructuring contracts, um, you know, making more money guaranteed, more money and incentives to, you know, go around the cap space, try getting more cap room. So, I mean, I'm sure they can get the situation more under control, but like you said, the Packers and Saints have so much cap to get rid of. It's going to be tough, that's for sure. Um, But that'll do it for... Wednesday's episode of the latest catch. Uh, obviously, we'll have one on Friday. We have another special guest coming onto the show. Two special guests. Oh, breaking news! Two special guests onto the show for Friday. Not only that, but we're going to go over Friday's matchups of the a- AFC NFC Championship games, um, Super Bowl predictions, um, power rankings. You're going to want to listen to it. But first, you got to listen to this episode, obviously. But if you're here, you did so. Congratulations to you, and thank you. But we'll catch you on Friday. Hope to see you there.